Welcome to Shoeless Reads, a podcast where I, Shoeless, read you team news from the Rooster Baseball Association. In this episode of Shoeless Reads, I will be reading the Piklika Team News 2049 nominees. And if I sound different, it's because I'm recording this in the brand new shoeless recording studios in a storage room in my basement, which I have fashioned into a podcasting studio. If you were here, you would see how just magnificent this place was. There is a a freezer, and you'll hear it hum from now on again, and there's a poster of E.T. Extraterrestrial from the 1980s that my wife put up sometime. I have no idea when. There's a fry daddy. There is an ice cream maker. There is two crock pots because you need an extra crock pot. Even though we have another one upstairs, so that makes three crock pots. We have a food dehydrator. We have an ice cream maker. We have a fan, which the joke is not lost on me. That's probably my only fan that I'll have. There's a bread maker. And there's probably about 50 board games that I bought. And my wife, every time I bought one, she shook her head, but it's fine. So there's such games as uh, Through the Ages and King of Tokyo and Machi Kori and Diplomacy is up here. And you can play Diplomacy with me and we'll hate each other for the rest of our lives. There's Pandemic and there's Carcassonne and there's Lords of Waterdeep. And I'm just naming things that are in my basement now in this recording studio. Because you are held hostage because you have turned in or tuned in to shoeless reads and you're captivated by all this magnificence that is the shoeless recording studio so congratulations for tuning in and i'll be going through some of the nominees some of them some people have like two nominees and god forbid i don't have time for that you don't have time for that so i'll be reading the first one that pops up Um, But here we go. So without further ado, let's get into the nominees for the Vekalika Team News Award. Up first, our first nominee for the award is the first one on the list because i'm lazy so why not so morris Ragland is up with his valencia stars team news star screams 49.03 valencia pitcher star in new team advertisement december 19th 2048 brianna robles star screams contributor los angeles area baseball fans have by now likely seen the new Stars season ticket advertisement. It plays out like the intro to a limited television series and features members of the Valencia pitching staff and Old West regalia, all wearing tin stars prominently on their chests. They walk as a group through a Wild West town and participate in an OK Corral-style shootout with some rough-looking bad guys, all wielding baseball bats and wearing various insignia of Freak League foes. One by one, the bad guys fall to the Valencia hurlers who bloodlessly drop them using finger guns, 
perhaps a riff on new bullpen pitcher Jorge Horta's well-known occasional strikeout celebration. Each star is introduced by name in a freeze frame with bold text while Americanesque soundtrack plays. I have no idea what that means, and there's a link, and I'll probably click on it later, but right now you just have to go with my terrible pronunciation of Americanesque. Ken Arroyo sports the moniker The Plainsman. Both a reference to Arroyo, Arroyo's Kansas upbringing and the old Gary Cooper Western of the same name. The gunfight concluded. The pitchers depart as a group. A man sitting in a rocking chair on the porch of a general store lifts his head, revealing himself to be former Valencia pitcher and Hall of Famer Skip Glenn, Skip Glenn Digging. Skip Glenn Denning. That was a really hard last name. He smiles and salutes the group as they pass, giving his approval. Many have noted the fairly high production values evident in the ad. I reached out to club GM Alfredo Vasquez for comment. He noted that the team decided to take advantage of its proximity to the film and television industry and went all in with its push to generate enthusiasm for the star's upcoming season by showing off some of its new acquisitions as well as popular returning stars like Arroyo and Mike Dixon. He noted that season ticket sales are, are so far up 50% over the previous year, so it seems to be working well and is well worth the investment. I was able to reach some of the players involved. I got to really work on reading, you guys. Like, I'm, I can hardly breathe. It's just reading, right? Like, my podcast is Shoeless Reads, and I can't even read because I'm, like, <gasps> like ready to speak you all over you guys anyway that was a great aside this is great radio you guys great podcasting oh there should be a podcast award because i'm not i'm knocking it out of the park freaking knocking it out of the park all right here we go i was able to reach some of the players involved in the ad stars closer john olson fake name that's a really fake name mentioned that the shoot was fun and the people putting the thing together did a great job making us look good i hate this john olson guy I'm just glad we didn't have to deliver any lines. A little campy, I guess, with the finger guns, but all in good fun. Seriously, everyone should hate John Olsen right now. Everyone. Glenn, Glenn Denning, yeah, that name, who currently, I think Glenn Denning is actually one of my, I mean, I think he's one of my uh, coaches, or he was. Hmm. Terrible aside, who currently live in, who lives in Santa Monica, says the Stars management reached out to him back in October about appearing in some ads, but he had no idea he would be participating in something like this. It felt like being on a movie set or something. I was there for a day. I heard they took three days shooting the thing. It was a fun group to be around. Royal laughed when I brought up the Plainsman nickname. Yeah, that was something the marketing folks thought up. We'll see if this, this sticks or not. Does the Royal plan on incorporating a finger gun strikeout celebration into his game? I don't know. Sometimes the emotions of the competition take hold. You do stuff in dramatic moments. You pump your fist or you give a hoot or something like that. A hoot? Hoot! Like that's that's what you're going to do when you... I hope he does that every single time you strike somebody. I hope he hoots like an owl. Hoot. Will I use the finger gun like Shooter McGavin? We'll see. It's kind of different for a starter who has to face a batter two or three times in a game. That sort of stuff can come back on you. Dominican Huerta, who signed on a free agent, who signed as a free agent just two, 
see it's really hard to read you guys who signed on as a free agent just two days before the ad was shot and new to the frick is less restrained the fans responded to it he says of his strikeout celebration you don't do it every time you you pick your spots like a strikeout to end an inning it's like an exclamation mark it gets the fans excited the team excited i can't wait to go after the hitters for real the end thank you morris morris you've been fantastic for the league i hate your valencia stars i hate everything about them i hate your finger guns i hate john olson i think i reiterated that but great team news coming in hot that's our second nominee is tyler twos or Mike Dunn. Black Sox slammed on Wheel of Fortune as mediocre at 500. The team is embarrassed on national TV. Um, to start off this, uh, just so you know, the team news incorporates a beautiful picture of Vanna White in front of the Wheel of Fortune board, and it basically says the black, the Chicago Black um, Sox, um, but um, there's some letters missing. Let's read the team news. I, I think I'm terrible at describing things. Anyway, here we go. Chicago, September 22nd, 2049. The humiliation of falling out of the Frick League wildcard race grew worse today as the game show Wheel of Fortune uses Chicago Black Sox as the answer to the clue mediocre. The national television embarrassment was aired tonight to tens of millions of viewers as the team fell to a precise 77 and 77 record. During the episode, one of the contestants, Edith Versimmons of Long Island, New York, revealed most of the letters. See photo above that I was trying to explain you guys. See, I was trying, but was still stumped, guessing the Chicago block sex. This prompted host Pat Sajak to joke, sorry, but block sex is anything but mediocre. The audience roared. It's actually a pretty clever joke. Good job. Uh, the next contestant, Urban Sell... Celebitsky of Grand Rapids, Michigan, correctly guessed the Chicago Black Sox, adding, Once I saw the word mediocre, the Black Sox were the first thing I thought of. Celebatsky won 35 grand and right to the return the next night. Sajak is now 103 years old, and reports are that he continues to host the show after receiving cyborg implants that have extended his life. Apparently, only his brain remains, remains of his original body. His co-host, Vanna White, passed away several years ago. That's terrible. But her embalmed body is still used to turn over letters on the show. This season will mark the first time in eight years that the Black Sox are not in the playoffs. And the fall to 500 caused some fans, spoiled by a series of 90-win seasons, to put bags over their heads during recent games. But after the episode aired, fans lashed out at the game show, calling the host, Say Jerk sad jerk and threatening to boycott future episodes a fantastic fantastic team news way to go tyler two mikey mikey done great work uh good job our next nominee is from the best division in the brewster the frick league pacific division wait i don't what did i the, you know best league yes frick okay best division in baseball 
the Pacific. And uh, this one is entitled by Chris Wilson from the Portland Lumberjacks. Hold my log, 49.77. Yes, .77. I think he wrote 4,000 team news. He was fantastic. He deserved, uh, his team deserved to go to the Monty. And uh, I know I can't even say that. His team did not deserve to, to play for a Monty. But uh, uh, maybe there's some connection between how many team news you write. And no, no, there's no conspiracy. Oh, it, there should be. This is a podcast, right? So every podcast. So I'm saying it. You've heard it here first, folks, that the only reason that Portland made it was because of all the team news they wrote. And uh, I, I'm pretty sure that I, I read that somewhere. And there was a goat that, well, there was a goat that was murdered and then well, he was hit by a car, and when, like, the someone, the first person that saw that goat murdered on the road, they they looked at the guts all over, and they, wait, that's. Anyway, so we're gonna read this one. It's called Undercovers with Kate. It's volume five. I'm gonna read it really fast because, I think he literally wrote. I think it's fifteen thousand words. All right, here we go. Ready, set. And go. Kate stepped onto the stairs that sat adjacent to her airplane. The plane couldn't even deboard in a proper terminal. Instead, she had to step down onto the apron outside the airport and walk in from the outside. As soon as she reached the door, the suffocating humidity nearly took her breath away. She wasn't much for warm climates, less warm and humid ones. The humidity made her hair do unruly things and made the area under her, her uh, breasts what am I reading? Perspire more than she liked. She threw her overnight bag over her shoulder. It was all she needed for this trip and headed for the, okay. I swear to God, if anyone does anything uncouth with themselves to my reading of this team news, I will fight every single one of you. Don't you dare. Fred, Brett, both Bretts. Randy, I don't care how lonely it is over there in Italy. No. Okay, you guys, no. Chris, this better not be some weird fetish of yours. This is disgust. Okay. She threw her overnight bag over her shoulder. It was all she needed for this trip and headed for the rideshare pickup. Boardwalk District, a rideshare driver named Gene asked, awaiting for confirmation. Gene drove a tricked-out red BMW, BWM, red BWM. Yeah, I read that right. BWM. That was several models past prime condition, but Gene was clearly proud of his ride. Kate nodded. She knew an oral response wasn't really that necessary, considering he knew the location she was heading before he picked her up. And also the sound of Latin EDM music blared over the radio with obnoxious bass that indicated there were just a few screws loose in the trunk. Made an oral response impossible. Kate climbed in the back seat, thankful the ride was a short one, and Jean wasn't up for small talk along the way. Kate hopped out of the car without another exchange with Jean. She eyed the buildings in front of her, all built along the edge of what appeared to be a man-made lake area. She was fortunate that, while there was still hot and humid, it was getting later in the day, and with all the fall, wait, wait, and with the fall time change rapidly approaching, it would be getting dark soon. She scoured the area, trying to figure out where her victim awaited. When she stumbled across a sports bar, she knew that's where he'd be. Where else would dejected general manners go to drown their, their pairs of sorrow away with another failed season? 
she walked over to the restaurant. Before going in, she decided she'd enjoy a drink or two alone outside before heading in. Let the full evening air and lights of the day dim a little more. She ordered a couple IPAs and sat quietly, watching the mixture of adults and kids all walk by, many laughing and having the time of their lives, as if the trip there here was magical for some. She didn't see it. You know, quick quick aside here. Um, you know that that podcast where the podcast is called like my dad wrote a porno. Like I feel like I'm that's I'm like the the kid there and like Chris is my my dad, which um which is false because literally the whole season like I'm his daddy like he I I destroy him you know. Like what I win like 25 games up the season before and then 15 games up this year. Like I am the dad, but in this situation, like that podcast, like I'm reading my dad's porno and I know what's going to happen because it's Chris. So, oh, okay. Take a breath. Take a breath. Relax. Relax. Okay. She gave it another hour and headed up to the bar where he sat. She was worried he may recognize her. I mean, they were in the same line of work, but he seemed very deep in thought. She grabbed the stool beside him and stared at the TV. TV. He glanced over, gave her a look, said nothing, and went back to drinking his beer. Perhaps it was intoxication. Perhaps the darkness had set in. Perhaps he didn't know. She decided she'd engage. Who's winning? Kate asked. As she, that was a terrible Kate's voice. I apologize. Who's winning? Kate asked as she tipped her third IPA towards the screen, gesturing towards the game. Tel television was airing Monday Night Baseball's contest between Mexico City and El Paso. I'm sure it was raining. Uh, he looked back at her. That, that raining part was mine. He looked back at her. Start started. She was. I think it startled. She was talking to him. Who's what? Oh, the game. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not even paying attention to it. He responded back. Really? I figured you were heavily invested in that game. You've been sitting here for quite some time watching it, Kate responded. Oh, yeah. No, I try not to watch too much baseball in my free time. I'm kind of involved with a little bit. Uh, just have some other things in my mind at the moment, the man said with a heavily slurred speech. Oops, I should probably read. I should read these before I read them. Um. That makes a lot of sense. I can tell, Kate commented back. How many of those have, how many of those you had there, fella? Oh, I'm a few beers in, he said. Kate felt a little sorry for the guy, but she quickly shook that off. Perhaps it was the fact he was dressed in a brown polo with brown shorts and brown tube socks that covered half his cap. It wasn't the look of a man looking to pick up chicks for sure, she felt. What's troubling you, Kate asked. Oh, just pondering bigger things in life. Thinking of asking that special someone in my life to marry. <laughs> I honestly didn't read this before, and um, that's a confession. And now I'm realizing what this is about, and I love it even more. Okay, oh, just pondering bigger things in life. Thinking of asking that special someone in my life to marry me. Just has me all twisted inside. Kate saw her opening. She knew it would be twisted, but she had to. Marriage? Wow, that's a big step. Where's the lucky lady and why are you sitting here alone? She's arriving first thing in the morning. I flew it a day early. Had to pick up the ring. Had a long cross-country flight to make. You know, all that jazz. 
the man said with Cheeto crust all over. No, I just added that. Kate fully understood. She took one deep breath and went for the kill. Well, I've been married a long time or two in my days. I can say there is both good and bad to it. Why don't you let me cover this tab and we go take a walk around the boardwalk? Catch some fresh air. They left. They spent the next half hour or so walking along around the boardwalk. Toddlers with black ears, high on ice cream and roller coasters, ruled the arena. Finally, they arrived at the resort. Well, I'm staying here, he said. Thanks for the talk. I think you really helped settle me. He paused. The few beers he had suddenly decided to take an upward turn. He leaned over the railing and lost most of his liquid diet from the room. Kate now knew she was really taking one for the team. Hey, you want to see the ring I bought for her? He asked. Kate grinned and nodded. The sun was ripe through the early morning blinds that had already filled the motel room with heat that Kate knew would be suffocating. She rolled over from the bed, sweat dripping, not from last night's escapades. Drunk Dick fell asleep without even getting it up, of course, but she had all she needed. She stood beside the bed and began dressing when he rolled over, knocking a set of mouse ears off his head. He somehow managed to find the middle of the night and had worn to bed. He groaned. Oh, man, what did I drink? Babe, that you? He asked. Kate just kept dressing. Finally, he rubbed his eyes to fully wake up. Babe, you there? Kate climbed over to the side of the bed. You still have about an hour before she arrives. He startled too, perhaps a little too quickly as some of last night's alcohol still churned in his stomach. Or perhaps the fear of what was happening was getting to him. What? Wait, Kate? Why are you? Wait, why are you in my hotel room in Orlando? He asked furiously. Kate straightened her blouse and skirt back down, a move she had patented over the years of these romps, and began to walk towards the door. Oh, God, Kate! Kate slid the anchor off the door and turned around. No one has to know. No one will ever know. I deliver a message, September 27th to 29. Lay down. Kate walked out the door and before it shut, stopped and said, And, oh, congratulations, she'll be a, a lucky lady. But I'd advise you not to have too many beers at the wedding. She winked and closed the door. That was fantastic. I, I love, uh, I would have liked, I guess, to see... Um, a little more of uh, making fun of uh, Vancouver Brett in this uh, team news, you know, the, the, the brown outfit uh, that he wore to Disneyland. I like that he, like, he, he always, I, I'm only going to picture him either in that outfit or obviously bare chested with Cheeto dust on it. That's the only two ways I see Brett now. So great writing in that aspect. I'm glad I didn't have to write any of the sex scene between Kate and Brett. That would have been a little awkward. I didn't have to read that. So thank you. Um, all in all, great stuff, obviously, from the Pacific. Our next nominee. From the Pacific. Poetry by Paula, number one fan of the Sacramento Mad Popes. A poem entitled, 
Flight of the Dodo by Paula and M. Jennings. Dutch oven sailors leaving the dodo to roast, to roost too long. Bonked on the head, thrown over the back, digested in the boiled bucket of acid in the stomach, or left to die. Decompose, decompose, duh, because of the defensiveness of the dodo. Just as, like a metaphor, the 2049 Mad Hatter Pope's crazy from touching the god of shopkeepers and travelers and tricksters. Should have worn gloves. Gloves that work. Unlike the 2049 Mad Plops Finesse. All right, our next nominee comes out of the Johnson League, the El Paso Chiles. John Mumberg, Pablo notes 20, or excuse me, 49.5. Pete Brace writes again. It looks like it's a letter to his dad. Dad, well, I've got good news and bad news. The good news is I'm back in the lineup. Ed Leoloha messed up his hamstring, so I got another chance to show what I can do out on the field. The bad news is what I can do isn't much. I just can't hit, Dad. I just can't. I've tried everything. I've looked at video until my eyes swam. I've hit an occasion until my hands look like raw hamburger. Nothing helps. I start one swing too early, and the breaking pitch makes me look like a spastic. Then I focus on keeping my weight back, and the next pitch is a fastball that gets by me before I get my swing started. Could I have some undiagnosed illness? Mono or something? The other guys on the team tried to be nice, but I know I'm not helping with them, helping them win. I look at a guy like Hector Cano, and it all seems so smooth and natural to him. And I think it used to be like that for me. Heck, I was my I was a first-round draft pick. What happened to me that made me unable to access a talent that I think is still in me somewhere? I know the GM would like to find another option, but the trade deadline is coming up soon, and there aren't too many options out there, as far as I can see. The latest is that I might be put in a platoon situation with Ricardo Munez. I mean, Rick, Rico's a nice guy, but he hit 223 in AAA this year. Is this my new level? Sorry to put all this on you, Dad, but I just feel like I have to vent to someone. I feel like <sighs> I feel like I'm getting you and Mom down. You had such big hopes for me. At least I've made some money, I guess. If all this fails, I can come home, go back to school, and get my teaching certificate and coach somewhere. I still have baseball, even though it's not loving me back right now. Your son, Pete. Right, the heartstrings. Thanks, John. Great team news and a great nominee for the Vic Calico Award. Our next nominee for the Vicklick Award comes out of uh, probably one of the worst franchises. Uh, I wouldn't say that actually. It was like it just recently became one of the worst franchises, probably in the last uh, I don't know several months of the Brewster. 
Um, it's coming out of Madison, which we all know is just a fake baseball team with just a freaking lucky ass second round victory uh, against uh, my mad popes. Um, they had no reason to beat me. I, I hate Mike Simon more than more than anything in the world right now. I hate the Madison Wolves. I hate everything about them. I hate OOTP. And I, I, I haven't even read this team news. I'll be honest, I haven't read it. I already hate it. I hate everything about I, I can't believe I have to read something from the Madison Wolves after being completely cheated out of my rightful Monty Brewster um, championship that I deserve. I deserved it. I mean, I traded for Wollenbeber for Christ's sake, for Wollenweber's sake, literally. Like, he's completely cheated. Now I got to read this team news. Blah. Three Wolves Den, 2049.14. Madison sends three to All-Star Game in Phoenix. Blah, blah, blah. Two play, the other catches up with an old friend. Oh, my God. By Javaris, Jamar, Javaris, Jalamar, Javar, and just and whatever. Madison, Wisconsin. What can be seen? A bad sign for the league offices to go along with not a single Jiminy Hopkins Phoenix player being selected to play in the All-Star Game in 2049. Madison sent three players to represent my Wolves Nation this year. We all know Gertie was happy when her Manubo bear showed up. Taking along with Manubo, his fifth appearance, were first-time award relief pitcher Senan Sabandrio, who cares what his name is, and three-time award winner R.P. Todd Stone, just as bad as John Olson. That name is terrible. While both Manubo and Sanu saw time in the game, curiously absent from making the appearance was Todd Stone. After turning from the flight from Phoenix, swag bag in hand, reporters asked Todd what happened. Oh, uh, oh man. You guys probably heard about it, but sitting in the bullpen for the better part of the game, all we kept on hearing was this massive party going on inside that Denny's in center field. My boy uh, Ben Velez was like, you should go and see what's going on in there. It sounds like there's like 5,000 people crammed in there. I was like, no way. But he kept on busting my balls as only Ben can. Suddenly, finally went in. I don't know. I'm supposed to say this, but like half of the talent's team was in there drinking those 64 ounce bourbon shakes minus the milk. Brian Gill comes over to be plastered and mumbling about being extraneous. Tell me that I'm extraneous. I'll show you who's fucking extraneous. Bunch of assholes. I'll burn this whole goddamn place to the ground. They can take my 114, 205, 143 slash. And Brian walks off. And then I turn the corner and see my old teammate, Andrew Torres. He's memorized, staring at the back of the Denny's kids menu, just staring at the goddamn grand slams. He looks at me and says with a thousand yard stare, I can't get enough of these goddamn anthropomorphic breakfast foods. So I pull up a chair next to Drew and I figure I'd screw with him. I said, Drew, you know, each of these characters has a backstory, right? He's like, huh? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, the fried egg. She's a prostitute. Yeah, just look at her. She's She has way too much eye makeup on. Her mouth is like a brave, broken little smile. She's like, look, I'm over here. I'm trying, okay? I didn't ask for this. I was a golden yoke, and they dropped me into the skill of life. And you know what I'm proud of? Of what I am. I'm doing my best, okay? But don't goddamn judge me. Now the pancake is her son, and look, I'm not going to put a name to it. But there's something wrong with the pancake, all right? I'm not going to say what it is, but his eyes are a little, you know, too far apart. His smile is way too big. It, 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 it's like it's just not away, aware of a lot of the horrors around him. Uh, how, how do I put this, Drew? God God gave, it, gave him a curse and a gift. Does that make any sense? So so that's her son, and she's doing what she can to raise him, all right? The bacon is the, the pancake's dad. He's not married to the Friday. God forbid. He doesn't hate her. 
they just they just aren't married and the, and the economy it's all post-capitalism and everything is collapsing he has to go where wherever the work is so so like i got a job on an oil rig for eight months it's high risk pay i'll send something whenever i can they're they're gonna take a big chunk out of the room and board you know but just just do what you can while i'm gonna raise the kid just do what you can when he says it to her do what you can he he knows she's hooking like like look look all right he's he's not judging her okay they all are struggling he's on the north atlantic getting the last of the crude oil out of the earth it's all gonna collapse but god damn it he's gonna try and help that pancake and the goddamn sauces sauces is fried eggs regular customer okay they he he okay look look he's bacon served together in desert storm and he's in look i'm just gonna say it he's he's a shitty marriage he's this is a shitty marriage okay he's not he's he's married to some hash browns they they're they're not part of the grand slams she didn't want to be part of it she's got a lot of problems if you look at him he's always very sweating like he he he, he always looks like he's He's going, hey, uh, my wife's in her uh, Zumba class for the next hour. We have, we have an hour. Can I can I come by like like an hour? So then she's got, got to go tell the pancake, like, hey, uh, mommy's friend's going to come over. And uh, why don't you uh, go play with the, you know, like Pop Patrol toys for a while? Can you can you do that? Can you can you play with your Pop, Pop Patrol? Okay, just, just work on your spelling. Go do a couple of spelling sheets. Mommy's going to be with her friend. And afterward... Uh, how about we go get some ice cream and I'll have some money to get you some ice cream. You want to do that? You want to do that? Huh? Huh? Champ? Huh? Champ? Okay. So now we go play with your Paw Patrol toys and go work on your spelling and no bottle mommy for the next hour. Okay. Go, go work on your spelling. Okay. The pancake is goddamn 30 years old, by the way. I don't know if I mentioned that Drew. Okay. There's, there's a lot going on. She's, she's doing her goddamn best. She's doing the best she can. Goddamn it. At that point, the, the game has ended and I realized that I missed the chance to get into the game, but Hey, it was a, it was uh, great to, to catch up and mess with, I guess, talk to an old drunk friend. I'm just going to be silent for a while because uh, I hadn't read that, obviously, because I hate Madison and I, I really freaking like that a lot. Had a lot of layers to it and it was really good. I'm kind of hungry too. In a first for the Shoeless Reads podcast, I'll be reading a Vic Kalika Team News non-nominee during my Team News Vic Kalika Team News podcast. This is a non-nominee. You cannot vote for it. It was not nominated by anyone at all, nor should it be voted for for anything 2049-0006 Talon's front office hails all-star game success but Talon's fans are pointing out one small problem Phoenix Arizona tagline Jimmy Hopkins the Talon's front office is celebrating what they are calling a massive success as the franchise revels in the afterglow hosting the BBA all-star game Wow, what a crowd, exclaimed Talon's electronic media and forum posting department director, David Frum. The attendance figures are off the charts. 55,000 fans at Paul D. Lund Memorial Stadium has got to be some sort of record, he continued, especially because the place has, has 
only a capacity of 49,900. That means there were over 5,000 people crammed into the world's largest Denny's behind center field, which we just read from Madison what was actually going on there, which has also got to be some sort of record, Trump said. So the front office is busy counting crowd totals in addition to waiting for the BBA to hand over the gate receipts, which total well over $1 million. But Towns fans are starting to make noise about one other tiny, tiny detail about Tuesday night's festivities. The number of talons on the JL All-Star team, which turned out to be absolutely zero. Yep, that's this year's talons team is so horrible that not a single one of their players was able to make an All-Star roster where the number one rule is that every team is included. From seem nonplussed at these revelations. Huh? Not one player? Interesting. Wow. His mood soon changed, however. I mean... The franchise that hosts the All-Star game didn't even have a single one of its own players make the team in their home park. Now, that's got to be some sort of record. Woohoo! And again, that's a non-nominee, a non, an anti-nominee. The underside of the nominee. The, the gut punch nominee, if you will. The, the... Why am I even reading this nominee? All right, before we read our uh, last Viklika Team News uh, nominee that we'll be reading today, because there is actually two other nominees that you can read on the forums. Uh, They're both done by people that have had uh, another one read already. So first one was by Chris Wilson of the Portland team. That was Hold My Log 49.87 Game 163, which chronicles his uh, Game 163 that they ended up winning that propelled them into the playoffs. You can go ahead and read that on the forums. The other one is by Mike Dunn of the Chicago Black Sox 49.04 My Funny Valentine. Please go ahead and read those. And then uh, and vote and vote for your favorite team news nominee uh, named after the one and only Vic Kalika, uh, my favorite GM ever to GM with. So sorry to everyone else, but he's my favorite. So anyway, let's go ahead and read the last one we have for you today, which is by Matt Rechtenwald, which I'm going to go ahead and click on that so you can hear my clicker, my clicker clicking away. And it is entitled... WHIV 2049.6. Where's the pivot? The Jim Ashford story, part one. He's a good hitter, but no power, not a serious corner outfield type. This guy swings at anything and everything and never takes a walk. He strikes me as a tryhard type. I don't see the natural ability. He's six foot six, 205 pounds, and hits like a guy a foot shorter and 50 pounds lighter. Jim Ashford has heard all the critics and doubters loud and clear year after year. Like many players who would be put off by comments such as these, Ashford encourages them. Go ahead. Tell me I'm no good, said Ashford, kneeling next to the batting cage of the new Palace Station ballpark and casino in Las Vegas. Keep feeling my fire. It's been working for me, so why change now? Growing up in Toronto, Ontario was a great experience for Ashford. We were a middle-class family, and there were so many different types of folks in our neighborhood and a lot of sports, Ashford said. His father, Jack Ashford, was hyped hockey prospect. Pops was supposed to be a great hockey player, drafted by the Leafs, signed a big contract, Ashford explained. He destroyed his right knee in his first year in the minors, and that was it. 
As younger Ashford grew from a boy into a man, it became clear that he had the same body type and athletic ability as his father. Pressure to play hockey was part of a regular life for Jim. Dad wanted me to play hockey. Junior's coaches were constantly talking to me. My friends wanted me on their teams. And on and on it went, said Ashford with a sigh. There was just one problem. I didn't like hockey, admitted Jim. Not even a little. I mean, I played it, but the spark wasn't there. Didn't want to let my dad down. And I didn't say anything for a long time. Eventually, it was the elder Ashford who, who breached the topic. Ashford continued, Dad sat me down after a game and had, had to be grade 11. Dad was a no-nonsense kind of guy, and he came right out with it. Asked me straight out if I even wanted to play hockey. It felt like a million pounds of weight fell off my shoulders like a feather. I admitted that I didn't like the game. Dad was supportive. And I kicked myself a little for waiting so long to say something. Dad wasn't going to let up from his only son despite this news. Instead, he wanted to know what the pivot would be. Dad always talked about the pivot. How can you adapt when something goes wrong, when you need to change a focus and that? So he wouldn't let me off the hook that easy. What's the pivot, son? 16 years old. It's a confusing time in a young man's life. Most 16-year-olds aren't sure what they want to do tomorrow, much less for the next 20 years. Jim Ashford was not your ordinary 16-year-old kid. While well, everyone but, a, but him and his future as a hockey star figured out, Jim Ashford had other dreams, dreams he kept quiet, secret, only for himself. That is, until the moment his father asked him that question. What's the pivot, son? The younger Ashford did not hesitate. The answer came quickly and confidently. The quickness of his response seemed to almost surprise him. I'm going to be a baseball player, Dad. Ashford said with a rather upbeat tone that wasn't like his usual tone of voice. All right, then, his father nodded emphatic, looking his son in the eye and then said with a loud clap, let's get to work then. There was a lot of work to do. Jim Ashford had many factors working against him. He and his father came up with a list, which he still keeps in his locker to this day. It read, I'm Canadian. People think I'm a hockey player. I have no select team experience. I'm not a power hitter, not on a prospect list. There was a second half to the list, though. Each of those five points had a counterpoint. They read, so what? Screw them. I'm a baseball player. I'll prove myself to be worthy. Play to your strengths and be the best hitter you can. The only list that matters is a BBA lineup card. Stay tuned for part two. Fantastic little story there from Matt, our commissioner. Go ahead and read this one on the forum. Go ahead and read part two in uh, the Vegas team news area. And that was a great job. And there you have it, folks. The 2049. Vic Kalika Team News Award nominees. Again, they were Morris Raylan for his Star Screams 49.03 Valencia Pitcher Star, a new team advertisement. Mike Dunn's Black Sox Slammed on Wheel of Fortune as mediocre. Chris Wilson for Hold My Log. Under Covers with Kate, Volume 5. Shoeless for 49.04 Poetry by Paula. John Momberg for Pablo Notes 49.5. Pete Brace writes again. 
Mike Simon for Three Wolves Den, 2049.14 Madison sends three to All-Star Game in Phoenix to play. The other catches up with an old, God, Mike. Titles, man, they're not, it's not a book. And Rec Days, where's the pivot? The Jim Ashford story, along with Chris Wilson's on my log. And Mike Dunn's My Funny Valentine. Go and vote. You need to go on uh, under league announcements, read the nominees, and then you're going to send Mike, uh, send him a message about your number one, your number two, and your number three. Do this because Vic Kalika was an amazing person. And this we need to keep this award going. I really appreciate everyone. Um, that compiles this. I, I think, Mike, this is your first year doing this, and I, I really appreciate it. Um, I think it's fantastic. I think it highlights what what uh, what we're all drawn to. You know, the competition here is, is always fierce, but the, the crazy stories and, and the, the wildness that we put together in our team news um, and the media guide and all that is, uh, is really second to none. So great job. Everyone go vote. Madison sucks, and that's Shulis Reed.